everybody again to another episode of Turnbuckle Talk. Today, this is Slade, and as always, my co-host, uh, the man with the plan, Mr. Matt. How's it going, Matt? Yeah, it's doing good. Uh, I'm down here in South Mississippi, uh, uh, trying my best to stay cool and trying not to melt. Um, Easier said than done, I know. Yes, <laughs> yes, very much so. These 105, 107 degree heat indexes are not, are not yes. fun to deal with, but... Um, other than that, man, I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself? I'm doing well, doing the same thing, trying not to melt. The heat, the, the heat here is bad enough, then the humidity on top just about kills you. Wait, I, went that, out, I went outside, sorry to interrupt you, but I went outside the other night at 9.30 p.m. 9.30 p.m., Slade. It was 86 degrees. No, no, no. It was 79 degrees, but the heat index was 91 Good lord. At 9.30 at night. Like, you walk outside and it just, it slaps you in the face. And it's like, yes. you can't even be happy. <laughs> you just want to go right back inside. Yes. Uh, so, for those of you listening that aren't, aren't that don't have to deal with this, uh, be for, you know, be, be thankful, I would say. Uh, you know, you I've been down here my whole life and uh, I still don't get used to it. Right. Oh, oh you don't. Like this, the other day I felt like I could, like literally take a knife and cut the air. It was that thick. Yeah. You know, and I've I've never been out to the desert, uh, to you know, like New Mexico, Arizona, but the only other place hotter that I have been in my life than than South Mississippi is New Orleans. Um, yeah. Because they have that that swamp heat, like South Louisiana is, is even worse. Yes. I've been in I've been to Nevada. I've been to Vegas, and it's it's that hot, but there's no humidity. So it's I mean, don't get me wrong, 112 dry is still hot, right? But that but you but it's you don't feel like it's smothering, right? Like it's a little bit it's it's more breathable, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, glad to hear you're doing good. Um, like I said, I'm uh, I'm doing I'm doing pretty well, all things considered. Uh, today, Slade, tell the kids what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about both the In Your House Takeover NXT from this past Sunday, and we're going to preview Hell in a Cell, which is coming up this Sunday night, in what looks to be the last pay per view to emanate from the Thunderdome. Yeah, fingers crossed. This should be the last one. Uh, yes. I think this is what 15 months in 16 months yes. in yes so you know i know that everybody fans talent everybody is, is looking forward to getting out of there um yes and getting back in the front in front of live fans yes uh, like i like i met, i know that the road can I, i'm sure it can be exhausting but god they've got like at this point they gotta be like we've got to get out of florida yeah yeah they're you, you gotta imagine they're they're very restless Yes. But before we get into before we get into everything, as always, please give us a like and a follow on Facebook and Twitter. Um, on Facebook, we are at Buckle Talk, and on Twitter, we are at Turnbuckle P. As always, say that's that that'll be the quickest way and the most efficient way for you to keep up with all things Turnbuckle Talk and uh, and be the first to know when new content drops. Uh, but with that said, Slade. Uh, Let's talk about NXT first. Yes. 
Uh, so like you said, we had NXT in your house on um, Sunday night. Um, and for me personally, in your house, and I, you know, and I think a lot of people in our age group, there's that nostalgia feel when it's in your house because uh, we grew up on that. You know, this is their second iteration of in your house. They did it last year as well. Uh, but it's always good to see that 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 set being used, um, and it just kind of gives you. And then obviously they brought Todd Pettengill out, um, so it just kind of added this nostalgia feel to it that, that put me in a good mood from the from the start. Absolutely, you cannot go wrong with Todd Pettengill. Uh, Beth Phoenix breaking out the Doc Hendricks look, the yes. faux Doc Hendrick, Doc Hendricks look. Um, I don't know if you saw the 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 uh, pictures of the way the the Johnny Gargano, Candice LeRae, Indy Hartwell, and Austin Theory, the Theory was Diesel, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Gargano was HBK, Indy was Razor Ramon, and Candice LeRae was One Two Three Kid. It was it was phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I, it popped me pretty good when I saw. I think uh, Sean, I saw it through Sean Michaels' Twitter. Yeah, Sean Waltman actually like applauded it too. No, that's good stuff. Uh, but yeah, that, that put a smile on my face as well. And then, like you said, with Beth Phoenix bringing out the old Doc Hendricks get up, Doc Hendricks get up, uh, that made me smile also. Right. Um, yeah. Leading leading up to the show, have you been have you been keeping up with NXT very much, like watching it or just a little bit, like not as much as I used to, but I'm still keeping up with it a little bit. I I kind of knew what was going on. Right. Um, and I was, I was, I was, I, I'd sort of watched a little bit closer as it got closer to uh, takeover time. I guess. Yeah, I'll be honest, man. Uh, I think once they moved to Tuesdays, I kind of, I don't want to say I tuned out, but I had, I had to get reprogrammed. Right. Uh, so it, it, it's taken me a while to get consistently back into NXT on a weekly basis. You know, I'll, right. kind, of, I'll kind of go in and out of it. Uh, but I will say, you know, WWE's always do, always does a good job during these pay-per-views of, of kind of recapping everything and these promo videos that they do and whatnot. They, they, they're able to tell the story for you if you have, you know, been missing out on things on a weekly basis. Um, yes. So I was able to get a pretty good rundown of, of what was going on. Uh, and man, I, like I said, I was just excited. This is a takeover, right? Uh, oh, absolutely. And takeovers are generally there. They're, um, they generally hit those out of the park. Oh, for sure. Uh, so getting into takeover, we had the first match of the night was. Uh, they had a they had a dark match and I actually didn't see it. I, I'll I acknowledge. See, I, I didn't see the dark match either. It was sorry and um, hold on, let me let me pull it up. I'm sorry, I'm sorry out there, folks. I when I watched it, I watched just the the main thing. So hold on, 2021. Ah, keep type today. 2021 NXT in your house. Here we go. And you had oh. It's Saray and Zoe Stark defeated the Robert Stone brand, who's Aaliyah and Jesse Kamea by pinfall. Is the Robert Stone brand won a match? Uh, I think they've won like maybe one or two. I was about to say, since he got an NXT. uh, Like, I think they've won like maybe one or two by distraction, but no. Yeah. Let's see here. And then 
And then with our first match, I'm sorry, I stepped all over you. No, you're good. You're good. But our first match was Bronson Reed and MSK, who is Nash Carter and Wes Lee, against Legado del Fantasma, who is Santos Escobar, Joaquin Wilde, and Raul Mendoza in a six-man tag match that had both MSK's tag team titles and Bronson Reed's North American title on the line. So whoever took the whoever you know it was a winner take all. Um, if 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 the Legado del Fantasma won, I believe Escobar would be the North American champ, and Wild and Mendoza would be your tag champs. And if Bronson and MSK won, it would be a you know you'd keep it like it was. It would stay the same. Um, it was actually a really good match. Bronson Reed continues to impress. Um, a man that big being able to do some of the things he can do. Is, is always going to be fun to watch. Um, Legato del Fantasma, they always, you know, they're going to have some really good moves and stuff. Uh, the end was where Reed hits, Reed knocks Mendoza through a, uh, or was it Escobar that he knocked through? The, it was Escobar through the, uh, through the plexiglass, and then he hit the tsunami for the one, two, three. But it was a really good opener, a hot opener. It was like 13 minutes long, so what, it didn't drag, though. It moved really quick. Um. Yeah, uh, I I enjoyed that match. Yeah, I thought it was a good way to start the show. Uh, I, I I echo your sentiments about Bronson Reed. He's he's just a fun big man to watch because uh, he he can move really really well. Um, I will say this might be a lazy comparison, but I get I get. Uh, Alberto Del Rio vibes from Santos Escobar. I can and, see it. Um, and, and not not in the, the flat. Like, there's a little bit of flashiness there, but it's just like he just exudes confidence, but in a heel way. Yeah. And I can, I can see, see I can see Escobar, you know, obviously Del Rio held, you know, the world title multiple times, but I can see down the road in the next couple of years – Escobar being an intercontinental champion, you know, uh, oh, having a long reign with that, and it being a legitimate reign, you know, not some fluke deal. Um, he's very believable. You know, Legado del Fantasma as a trio, they're all believable. They all uh, work work off of each other really well. I enjoy them anytime they're on TV. Um, but there's just something about Escobar himself that just stands out from the rest of the pack to me anytime he's on right. TV. And he, he doesn't really have to say anything. You know, it's, it just seems natural anytime I see him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He, he his father was a was a, Mex, a Mexican wrestling star, and I think that sort of and and there's something and, and it's you know Del Rio himself was the son of a, a a Mexican wrestling star, and I think his father was uncle was one too. So there's something to be said for being you know kind of growing up in it, you know knowing that lifestyle and knowing. How to carry yourself in the ring, right? But yeah, like I said, it, you know, other people may think that's a lazy comparison, but that's just—I don't know—like the confidence, I, I, like I the, see it. the silent confidence that he, the, you know, the yes. eyes, and I don't know. It just—that's what it reminds me of, in a good way, you know, because our negatives with Del Rio, but that's for another time, um, right? But yeah, I thought it was—I thought it was the match was fine, you know, as a starter, uh, kind of what your appetite type feel. Uh, that spot you mentioned with with uh, Bronson Reed and, and Escobar outside on the 
on the floor where you're pushing through the or barreling through the, the barricade or guardrail, whatever you want to call it. Um, that looked really brutal. Um, and I felt, you know, MSK as well, man, they've grown on me. Uh, yeah, they really know, have. Like, I, I wasn't sure about them at first, but right. they, they've they gotten better and better and better. They Their ring work's solid. They're 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 able to tell a good story in the ring. Yeah, they they have really done a they've really taken the ball and run with it. I credit where it's due. Yeah, they and they they have a ton of charisma themselves, you know. Um, and they're fun to watch, man. They're 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 really fun to watch. They remind me of like a young Hardy Boys in in a sense. Um, yeah, like they take a lot of chances with their moveset, um, kind of undersized ish, uh, but. They're very resilient type, you know, type wrestlers. So, right. Yeah, I, I thought that was a really good match to start the show. Um, and, and what was next? Zia Lee versus Mercedes Martinez. And this actually had some continuity, believe it or not, because Martinez defeated Zia Lee in the first round of the May Young Classic. I believe it was 27, 2018. Yeah. Um, I thought this was a pretty good match, man. It really was. Um, Zia Lee is one of those. Um, yeah, let me see if I can remember. If I can remember, so Zia Lee is one of those that kind of had her. She worked for a while. Um, she kind of, she kind of didn't have a, a real personality before this. Right. This thing. This. Um, this new where she's uh, just part of this group with Mei Ling and Mei Ying, I'm sorry, and um, Boa, right? And but it it's it works, and she's got the moveset for it. Her her kicks, her strikes are very very believable, and Mercedes Martinez is an all as a as a you know, uh, probably an all-time woman women's wrestler. She's maybe not known in the uh, in the U.S., but she's been a very very long-time um, star in Shimmer and in uh, other women's organizations. So you know, she's always going to have a good match. And these two, these two, they they got after it. Credit credit where it's due. Those two. Uh, those two, uh, they weren't a hold much back. No, they were definitely laying it in. They were. They were. They were making sure you felt it. Yeah, I, I enjoyed uh, the match. Um, it was. It was a really good match. Yeah, you know, and I'll admittedly say I'm not the biggest uh, Mercedes Martinez fan. Um, it's nothing against her. It's just you, you know, like I, I, I respect what she's done and what she continues to do don't get me wrong um but it, yeah i'm just not gonna pick her out of a lineup and be like that's the one i want to watch you know um right but yeah they they put on an entertaining match you know and and the kind of the story they told you know all through the match and then even after the match i i was i was hooked right and then you know after the match Zia Lee goes out to grab a chair she's gonna start beating Martinez with it. Uh, Martinez gets up, gets the upper hand on Lee. 
she grabs the chair and then Mei Yin comes in and drops the um, Tongan death grip it looked like and, and left Martinez laying in the ring. You still there, bud? Yeah, I'm, I'm here. I was, okay. I was having a little difficulty, but I'm good. Okay. All right. Okay. I was just, I was making sure. Yeah. So yeah. You dropped the, she dropped the tongue and death grip and, and left uh, Martinez laying and they, and Lee, uh, Ying, Lee and Boa walked out victorious. Uh, only like a seven minute match, but again, they laid their stuff in and it, it was a hard hitting seven minutes. Right. Yeah, sometimes you don't have to go 15, 20 minutes to no, you get can, everything you, in. You can tell your – you can tell. sometimes it's not the worst thing in the world to tell a good story and get your stuff in in seven, eight minutes and, and get out. Right, absolutely. So, yeah, at this point, you know, they're, they're two for two on these matches. Um, and then the next match we had was a ladder match for the all-important million-dollar championship uh, that Ted DiBiase had brought back. Uh, one of my money, favorite championships money, of all time. Money. And, and, oh, absolutely. The, the, one, the, the and, pop when, when Virgil beat him to get it at SummerSlam 90 yeah. or is just is unreal. But and yes, I'm so glad it's back. Yeah, and that's just another one of those things. You know, I mentioned the set and Todd Pettengill, and now you got the million dollar championship. It just brings that 90s nostalgia back. Uh, Absolutely, and, and, you know, just made you feel good. But it was a ladder match for the for the million dollar championship between LA Knight and Cameron Grimes. And I'm gonna tell you something, man. I, I love Cameron Grimes. I love yes. Cameron Grimes. He's got kind of that. I don't want to say Steve Austin thing, but he's kind of got that ability to be an everyman. That everyman charisma, that like he he can make it work as this as the underdog who probably deserves that championship. And L.A. Knight's the perfect heel yep. to play off of him with his kind of cooler than you, I'm better than you attitude, especially for something like the million dollar belt, which is you know this gaudy prize that that everybody wants. Like it it was it was a great match. Oh, I enjoyed it. It, it. You know, it certainly wasn't uh, a wrestling clinic, you know, no. um, but it, once again, just like I said about the previous match, it, it had my attention. Um, they had some some legit spots with the ladders. Uh, I loved the ending of the match, you know, and, and I thought that LA Knight winning was the right move. Um, yes. You know, because – it's weird with Cameron Grimes because, like you said, he's kind of that relatable everyman character, but he's still like this brash, cocky guy. You know, um, it almost seems like he's trying to be some. You know, he's trying to be something that he isn't really. You know, but right. so there's kind of this fine line that they're walking with him. But he, he's entertaining as hell. Um, Absolutely, and and he just keeps getting better and better, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. And I kind of laugh. Uh, after the match, you know, I don't, it was maybe a couple hours after the match or whatever, but he tweeted out and all he said is, I tried. <laughs> but, uh, 
Yeah, so I thought, you know, and I like LA Knight as well. Oh, yeah. Um, like a, he is know. the perfect, he is the perfect um, protege of, of Ted DiBiase. Yeah. He, yeah. he fits it perfectly. Yeah, that fits, yeah. Couldn't have said it any better. It, that that fits him. Yeah, he, he's brat, like, like he's kind of got that, you know, fancy cars, big houses. I've got more money, therefore I'm better than you. Attitude down pat. Like he fits, he fits, he might fit Ted DiBiase better than DiBiase Jr. did. Yeah. Which sounds weird, I know, but I, I I'm gonna go with it. No, I I can see what you're talking about. Uh, but yeah, and I think tonight, as we're recording this, it's on Tuesday night. Um, it's a little bit before NXT comes on, but tonight. I think Ted DiBiase is going to be on there and they're officially, you know, handing him, handing LA Knight the, the million dollar belt. Um, so we'll see, you know, there may be some more sh- shenanigans going on tonight. Um, right. But yeah, ladder matches, it's hard to have a bad ladder match, in my opinion. It um, is because, I mean, yeah, it. I've, I, I'm trying to think. I've never, I can't remember seeing any really bad ones. Because it's just, it's, it's kind of like a, a, most of the time it's like a car crash, you know? Yeah. Um, and it, it looks so brutal. And, and from all intents and purposes, if you listen to people who's been in those matches, it is brutal, you know, like because I'm, it's a freaking ladder. Yeah, I remember reading Eddie Guerrero's book. And him saying basically the thing that he learned early on when he did it, I think it's the ladder match with uh, X Pac Six One Two Three Kid. I think he was six that time. I think yeah, I think it was when he was in WCW, and he started and he realized early on that there's no way falling off this ladder is gonna feel any better if I am if I'm scared to death going up here or if I just go full go all out. So I might as well go all out because it's right. gonna hurt either way. Right. Yeah, so, and then that last bump that uh, Grimes took, you know, right before Knight yes. climbed up the ladder, that looked brutal. Um, but I like the way and I, they both. Yeah, did. yeah, they they really they knocked it out of the park. And again, yeah, that last bump where Grimes looked like he had the title and and not pushed the ladder over, and Grimes fell on a bunch of other ladders, and it looked painful as hell. And Knight climbed the climbed the the uh, ladder and grabbed the million dollar belt and. Is your new million dollar champion? Yeah. Let's see here. Which means he is the last champion since Ted DiBiase Jr. Before that, it was oh, the the previous million dollar champion before DiBiase Jr. was Stone Cold Steve Austin. Hmm. It was actually when he was the ringmaster. I was about to say that. Ninety what, like ninety five? Yeah, and then like when. They did that match where Austin lost to Savio Vega in a strap match, and if Austin lost, DiBiase had to leave, and then DiBiase showed up in WCW right after, and he's like, I lost on purpose because I knew that DiBiase wasn't going to get me where I needed to go, and I don't want this belt anymore. Yeah, that was the pay-per-view. I think, that was that an In Your House? It wasn't in your house, and it was the one. It was the one where the power went out during their match. That's the one. Was that is that Beware of Dog? I think it's Beware of. Dog. I think it's Beware of Dog because the power went out, and they right when uh Vega was walking to the ring for that match, 
Mm-hmm. There was a big, big thunderstorm or something that knocked the power out in the arena. Yes. But they did the match in the dark. And, and they, then and they, re- they redid it on Tuesday because they had Raw on Monday. And then they redid the paper, you know, the last half of the pay-per-view. So they had two strap matches in three days. Yes. Uh, yeah, and that was uh, when DiBiase left WWE. Yes. Little and then, I, yeah, I, I do. I, I think I've actually watched it because it's well, the network version is really weird because you get yeah. two matches that happened on Sunday. Power goes out, and then they just do the matches they weren't able to do in the light on Tuesday. Yeah. And I believe Austin and Vega was the first match yeah. they did. Yeah. Yeah, because the power went out when Vega was walking to the ring. Walking down the ring. Entrance. Yes. But and the then show must go on, so they had a match in the dark. Yes. Yes. Let's see here, trying to think. So yeah, that's right, because the main event was actually like you had several matches that didn't get to take place, and then they did the main event match that actually was that did take place that Sunday. Yeah. So Nice little, nice little diversion there. But anyway, so Knight gets the win over Grums, and that lead leads to, um, I believe Raquel Gonzalez versus Ember Moon for the NXT Women's Championship. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. Um. I, this is, I don't want to take away from her talent. Or her abilities, but I've never quite got Ember Moon, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, like when she first came, like, like when she, they, the, the, from the very first time I saw her, she was Athena in the independence beforehand. Like I heard all these things, like she's great, she's wonderful, and she is. Like she is a talented in ring worker. But like the first time she came out, she has like this kind of, dark mysterious like entrance where she like slowly walks you've got the colored contacts and so i'm like okay this could be interesting and then like her music hits and then she becomes this smiley goofy happy baby face it just completely took me out of it and yeah. i've just never quite gotten her yeah i don't I don't think you're the only one slate you know i think that might be why she's back down in nxt like again, her like I, this is not to knock her in ring work. The the eclipse, her finishing move, oh yeah, is 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 as good a finisher as I've ever seen. And I honestly think if she just turned, like if she just turned, like if she just like leaned all the way into one portion of the that, like if she either went full heel and like dark mysterious woman, or just bubbly happy go lucky baby face, I think it would be easier to like get into. Yep. But both kind of taking out. Um, another thing I don't love, and, and it's it's a trope that they go to, and I know they do it to get heat, but I really, it, it gets old watching championship matches with the heel champion that has a, you know, a manager or a compadre, in this case, Dakota Kai for Raquel Gonzalez, who interferes and does all this stuff. Like, if you're in Bermuda, Shanti Blackheart comes down later and yeah. and 
chase. Like, how do you not have black cart there to begin with? Yep. Because you know oh. she's you no know Kai's going to get involved. Yep. No, no, I was wondering the same thing when I was watching the match. I was like, it took Shotzi this long to like defend her friend. Like, like oh. at least have like at least do something where Kai drives a forklift in front of her door and she can't get out. Yeah. Might at least have an explanation. Oh, she, tr- you know, she couldn't get out. She wants to, but she like and like maybe have have her banging on the door trying to get out. And then you know, and and then it actually when she comes down, it actually gets a bigger reaction. Because, oh my God, she's escaped, and you know, Kai's gonna get what's coming to her. Yeah. But you and know, I just also seeing, it, I also don't like, and I get it that she's the heel, but you know, they Raquel Gonzalez is a monster. Yes, you know, and and she's she's going against Ember Moon, who, like you said, with all her in ring work and stuff, she's legitimate. But you put them on a poster or you put them in the ring looking at each other, Raquel shouldn't need any assistance from the outside, right? You know, like, if, if the roles were reversed and Ember was the heel and Dakota yes. Kai was with her, then that would make more sense to me than you helping out this person they're building up as a monster. Right. Like the yeah, like yeah, that you're kind of taking away. It's kind of like it's one of those things that I always dislike. Is is like in a situation like this, you need to keep building Gonzalez up. Like she's done, she has improved leaps and bounds. I actually think she's done a nice job, kind of taking the reins from Io Shirai. But you don't need all that assistance, and. I, and I've got to think somewhere down the line that leads to a turn for for like it it's going to turn Gonzalez heel or, or it's going to turn Gonzalez one of them's going to have to turn. I can see Gonzalez like, turning face. Like yeah, I can see Kai turn on her. Like all the you know, the only reason you're the chance because I've done all this for you and yeah, I can see that one hundred percent. Um, and then but you know, so into the match, um. Um, Ember Moon hits the eclipse, has uh Gonzalez beat one, two, three. Kai puts the foot on the ropes to break the to break the pin. Shotzi Blackheart comes down, runs her off, and um, Ember goes for another eclipse, but this time Gonzalez catches her, picks her up, nails the power bomb. One, two, three. Gonzalez retains, which is the right call because like yeah. you need. Like Gonzalez needs to, I, I'll say this: Gonzalez to me has done more and has sort of. She's still green around the edges. You can still see it, but she's getting better and she's growing into her role as the woman carrying the the NXT women's women's championship. For sure. And she and and, and there's also a load of talented women underneath her that that can help her that can help her. Uh, get better. You've got Candice LeRae, you've got Shotzi, you've got Dakota Kai herself's a good wrestler. When Tegan Knox come back, comes back, you've got something. I mean, you've got several women, Candice LeRae, that can really, really help her shine. Yeah, you know, and she's still, I mean, she's 30 years old, so she's, yeah. you know, she's, she's still got- fairly young in, in wrestling years nowadays. Um, so, yeah, I think there's still a lot of untapped potential with her. Uh, and like you said, I think it was the right move to keep the title on her and let her win clean. 
Um, yes. But like you mentioned earlier, the match with, with Dakota Kai interfering and all that, it, it just seemed unnecessary, but it seemed typical um, for WWE, yes. like typical WWE booking. Um, it, it just didn't seem like that was needed in the match. Right. Uh, and, and, and regarding Ember Moon, I, I tend to agree with you on her, man. Um, I've always thought the, the, the best part of her, like you said, she can go in the ring, um, but there's like a little confusion there with her. Um, but the best part of her to me has always been her entrance and then her finisher. Yes. You know, and, that, and, I mean, you know and everything in between I kind of forget about. Yes. You know, and then that is a shame. With, with, with that finisher, you kind of wonder how long can she do that? Because that can't be good on your back, you know? No. Landing on your on your butt from the top rope constantly. I mean, you saw what a leg drop did to Hulk Hogan. Yeah. You know, and then now you're doing that from the top rope, essentially. You know, so you wonder about the longevity of that. Right. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, there's certainly been like a little disconnect there with Ember Moon. Um, I agree. Even, though, even though, like you know, like you stated, um, I still enjoy watching her. Um, mm-hmm. It's not like she's bad or makes me want to change the channel or anything like that. But there is, there is a little disconnect there that hopefully um, can get worked out. Right, right, and 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 I think maybe she can. I mean, she's got talent. She actually, when she was hurt, she was doing some stuff on the. Uh, Oh, what was that talk show they had on Fox? And I forgot the name of it. Backstage? No, it was the one that had CM Punk. It wasn't called Backstage. It's like After the Bell or something like that. It, it might have been Backstage, now I think about it. But whatever it was that she got to do some co-hosting, and she actually showed some personality. The, so the, like, the one with Renee Young? And yeah, CM Renee Punk Young. and Paige. Yeah. Yeah, Paige, CM Punk came on it from time to time. Oh, I can't think of the name of that. It just bothered me. It was a Fox. Hold on. Renee. Speaking of Renee Young, you see where she had her child today? I did. Congratulations, she had her. Girl. Renee. What was the name of it? Didn't blame it. Uh, career. Ah. It was WWE backstage. I'm sorry. Boom. It You're was. supposed That's... to be the trivia champion. Oh, uh, no. I blew it. <laughs> I blew it. It was backstage. Cause, yeah. Because, like, Ember Moon had some moments on there. And, and I feel like Christian was on there sometimes. Yes. Uh, and I can't type today. So let's see here. She was hurt. Yeah, she got hurt. And she tore her Achilles, did she? Yeah, and she missed like nearly two years. Yeah. Because, yeah. Because, yeah, like she tore her Achilles and then, yeah, she just never, and then it took her a while to come back, which obviously that's, an Achilles tear is one of the worst ones to come back from. Yeah. But anyway, so Gonzalez retains, and Gonzalez again, like I said, has really done a good job uh, 
kind of carrying the carrying the ball, so to speak. And that leads us into the main event of the night, a five-way dance. I don't know if that's what you call it, but I'm going to call it that. For the NXT World Champion between the champion, Karrion Cross, Johnny Gargano, Adam Cole, Bebe, Pete Dunne, and Kyle O'Reilly. And I think the thing that I took away from this more than anything is the full-sale crowd at the Capitol Wrestling Center, I don't think they're too fond of their champion. Yeah. Like, it was, it was kind of jarring how quiet they were for him. Um, and I'll be perfectly honest, I'm, I'm kind of, again, I'm kind of with them. Um, Cross looks like a monster next to the people he's in the ring with because yep. no disrespect, Cole, O'Reilly, Dunn, Gargano, they're not big guys. They're not. Well, that's 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 the majority of the roster in a um in AEW in yes. You know, they're all five seven to five ten, five eleven. Um, so he has that working for him there. But when he gets in the action exactly when he gets when he gets on the main roster, he's, he's gonna, gonna go to the main guy and that won't stand out. Nope, and honestly, I don't see anything in his character that stands out. I don't see a whole lot in his ring work that stands out. Um, it's hard for me to – he's not really heelish. Like, he wins clean. He's not like – you know, he's winning clean. He's not really doing anything just overtly bad. He's just beating the crap out of people, but that's part of your job as a pro wrestler. Um, Scarlet's pretty clearly the most interesting part of his whole um, package. Yeah. Um. I. I. He's he's not. I'm being. I'm probably being hard on him. Like he's. He's not bad. He's a good hand. Again, in NXT, he could be a really like he 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 could be a really good monster. But I just there's a disconnect between him and and the audience, and I just I don't know that there's anything. He can do to really fix that. Yeah, I, I think the, the audience, for the most part, has made up their mind on him. And um, yeah, and and with how he's presented now, um, I don't think there's any changing that. You know, um, yeah, because it, it's kind of it's kind of like I said with Ember Moon, man. Like the most interesting part of him is his entrance, and then like you said, Scarlet. Uh, yeah, you know, you take those two things away, and what what is he? He's just a guy. Yeah, you know, and then being in NXT where he can stand out because, I mean, he's what six two, six three. He's listed at six four, but I I would say he's probably six three. Yeah, six. I'm six three. I'm six two. Right. You know, so in NXT terms, I'm a giant. <laughs> you know, right. Um, but I'm nothing special. I'm never the tallest guy in the room, right? But so yeah, that's that's not going to translate to Raw or SmackDown. Um, See, that was one of those things. Like, and and Lord knows we don't know exactly what's going on with him right now. But when Keith Lee faced faced off with Lesnar at Rumble Twenty, like he looked big next to Lesnar. Yeah. And you know Lesnar's a monster. And Lesnar was even mentioned. If you go back and watch, he was like, I mean, he's like, yeah, that's a big boy. Yeah. So, I, 
and I, but I'm afraid like if if Cross goes into the ring against the Lesnar, and I mean Lesnar's Lesnar, but you know that intimidation factor is not gonna be there because Lesnar, nope. I mean Lesnar's gonna make him look small. I mean, you even you even forget about Lesnar, like Randy Orton. Yeah. You know, Orton's 6'4". Yes. You know, he would look, he, Cross would look, you know, he wouldn't be intimidating for Orton or, like you said, McIntyre or Bobby Lashley. You know, the list goes on and on. Right. I mean, freaking Edge is like 6'3 or 6'4". Um, so, yeah, that you, you eliminate that whenever he gets moved up um, to the main roster. Right. So yeah, I, I don't I don't want to say this is his ceiling, but I don't you know when I, it's not an if it's a when he goes to the main roster in my opinion, I don't see him being a legitimate title threat you know for the yeah. main titles. I can see him being you know U.S. champion yeah in that area, absolutely. but in terms of being a credible. Top guy threat? No. No. What did you think of the match overall? The match itself was good. Um, They, uh, Kyle O'Reilly, he's just, he's so good. Um, Morgano is always, he always puts on a show for for takeover matches. Uh, um, Adam Cole, again, solid. I'm a big fan of Pete Dunne's work. Um, except for the whole breaking fingers gimmick, don't love that. But that's that's just that's just a personal thing there. But I'm a big fan of like I'm a big fan of the other four guys' work, and they did a really nice job. And Cross himself, like Cross himself, in ring was fine. Like I can't say anything bad about Cross's in ring work. It's just there's a disconnect there between yeah. character and and it's just it's just hard to get into it. And like the crowd just seemed completely defeated when when you know, it looked like O'Reilly sticks to get get a tap out from Adam Cole to win the title, and then Cross gets behind him, puts his puts the uh, what do they what was that puts the finishing move on him and gets uh, O'Reilly to pass out, and that and then the crowd just sort of dies. Yeah, it made me kind of sad. Yeah, it uh. It's kind of like you said, like I, Cross didn't do anything wrong in the match. It just sometimes it doesn't hit, man. Yeah, it just um, doesn't. And, and like I think, if, I think if any one of the other four had won, you'd have gotten a reaction. But when Cross won, it was just like, really? Yeah. Really? I, I, yeah. And then you just you essentially put all your top guys against him in one match. And he uh, beat them all. And, and you just and he just beat them all, like you said. Yeah. Um, I was he beat, worried. He did like if there'd have been some like shenanigans where right. somebody could legitimately be like, "Hey, I got wronged. I should have won," and shenanigans happen, or right. cross it like, but he won it clean as a sheet. Like there's no real argument. Yep. You know, and, and going into the match, I was kind of worried because with it being five people. Um, because a lot of times, like your fatal four ways or fatal five ways, as you want to call it, whatever, when you have that many people in there, it can get a, a it can get very busy, you know. Um, it can get very convoluted almost, where there's just so much going on. 
and there was a lot going on, but they were able to do it in a way that you were still you weren't trying to watch three different places at one time, you know. Right. Um, there was a, a singular focus most of the time, and that's where all the action was happening. And then they'd all be laid out, and then you know it, it kind of slowed down. Then it picked back up again, and then it slowed down. Then it picked back up again, and then you know. So I, I was happy with the way it was booked and and, and paced with having that many people right. in a match. And, you know, and, and a lot of, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming a lot of that credit goes to, you know, Shawn Michaels and, and the people in the back for, for putting that together. And I'm sure the guys in the ring had a lot of uh, input on that as well, because, you know, they're, especially Adam Cole and Gargano and, and, and Kyle O'Reilly, they're all very, very experienced. Um, right. So that part of it, I, you know, I was glad it was done the way it was done. But like you said, with Cross winning clean against essentially your four top uh, competitors, yeah. you know, yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting to see where they go from here. And one thing I noticed, and I don't know if you noticed or not, did you notice Adam Cole's gear? Uh, on his trunks. I'm trying to. I'm trying to see him in my mind's eye. They looked identical to the Money in the Bank briefcase. Yes. It was green and gold. And it had like Bebe on the back, but it was kind of in the font of Money in the Bank that's on the briefcase. So it makes me wonder if he's either getting called up before Money in the Bank or if he'll be like a surprise entrant in the Money in the Bank match. Um, Right. Because, I mean, he's – what else is there for him to do, man, you know? Absolutely nothing. I mean, at this point, he's done all you can, and it's probably going to be for the best if he moves on up. Like, no disrespect to him, but yeah. Uh, yeah There's no more I mean, bridges across. Yeah, at this point in, in NXT, I mean, it's just a bunch of retread if, if, if he were to stay there and, you know. Yes. Um, I mean, you could get some mileage out of maybe like him and Kyle O'Reilly. I don't, you know, but I just kind of, if you go back and look, um, his his trunks look just like the Money in the Bank briefcase. So I was wondering if that was kind of some subliminal. Might be a little fortunate. Yeah, a little subliminal messaging going on there. Um, it could be a big bunch of nothing, but I did notice that and it kind of made my antenna yeah. go up a little bit. But yeah, overall, I thought it was a really good match. I thought it was a, a, a fitting way to end that pay-per-view. You know, I thought it was the right match to go out on. Um, and I can understand why Cross won because, you know, out of all five guys, he's the most believable. Yeah. It's also you're kind of you're kind of booking yourself into a corner with, with how you did it and, you know, beating this many guys at one time. So it, it'll be interesting to see where they choose to go with him. You know, uh, we may get an idea of that tonight. They may hold off a couple of weeks, but um, and then see where they go with that. Let's see. And then, so, and then apparently William Regal just, I don't know. He's had so, enough slate. He's stressed out. He's old. He don't need he's all this. He's stressed out. There's been too much. Too much. There's been too much shenanigans going on. All these kids. And 
chaos and he's just he's just had enough and he said it's time for a change he channeled the late great owen hart with with enough is enough and it's time for a change which makes me sad because regal might be what regal's one of my favorite on-air authority figures ever yeah he's good he's very good um obviously the rumors now um especially since it was announced yesterday that Samoa Joe had been re-signed by the WWE to the NXT brand specifically in a non-wrestling role is that Joe's taking over if Regal leaves which makes me kind of I mean I love Joe and I think he'd be great at it but I'm gonna miss Regal if he's walking away yeah it could be, you know, uh, it could. I could see it kind of being like an Adam Pierce, Sonya Deville type deal, um, I would where be okay where, where Joe kind of takes some of the load off of Regal, you know, to relieve some of the stress. Um, or you know, Regal could legitimately be worn out and and ready to give it up for a while. You know, um, he's been doing it for a long time, mm-hmm. um, and I'm not just talking about the GM stuff. I'm talking about being in the wrestling business. Um, so you know, um, I, I'm old enough to remember him as Lord Stephen Regal in WCW. Oh, yeah, yeah, he was uh, uh in the Blue Bloods, Blue Bloods, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Him and uh, what's Dave Taylor, and and before that, Earl Robert Eaton, the pride of Huntsville, that's right, Alabama. that's right, yeah, yeah, because the Eaton and Regal promos to set that up were some of the absolute funniest things I've ever seen. Because Eaton, like Eaton, actually showed a like a dry sense of humor because you got this really—I don't want to call him redneck or rural because he grew up in Huntsville, but you know this this southern, this unrefined southern gentleman, unrefined southerner going to to try to to be this like fancy British sophisticate, which in real life, William Regal is not that. Like Regal's uh, from the heart, you know. He's from like a, like a, what's the like a seafaring town where it's but it's not like one of them resort towns. It's one of those, you know, those guys that work on boats are tough. Yeah, Yeah. he's from one of like Blackpool. Like he he grew up tough, but he was just so great. I miss Will. That Regal was fun, and uh, Superstar Bill Dundee was his manager. He was um, Sir William. Yeah. But yeah, so we should find out some. Uh, I assume we'll find out a little bit more tonight on NXT about which direction they're going with Regal. Um, yes. And and maybe even some other Joe. They may be holding that off for a little while, but we'll have to watch and see. Um. So that was NXT. Anything else you wanted to talk about with NXT, or we pretty much. I think we've about hit it. We've about hit it, and like I said, we'll find out more tonight on stuff that we're not sure about. Absolutely. Um, so moving on, before we get into the Hell in a Cell preview, um, since it's kind of fresh, there's a couple of things I wanted to ask you about with with Raw, um, since Monday okay. Night Raw happened last night. Um, obviously, the hot topic, if, you, if you've worn on social media since Raw, um, Eva Marie and Piper Niven, um, what did you think about everything that went down with that? Did you see any of it, or did you, you know? Um... So that, uh, hold on. I... <coughs> sorry. There you go. Somebody, somebody tried to call, and it muted me. So what was the what was the question? I'm sorry, I missed it. 
Oh, you're good. I was going to say, did you get to see the uh, Eva Marie debut with Piper Nevin, or, or I, I know saw you were the watching other things? But... I saw the video this morning. Um, okay. Look, that's the best use of Eva Marie you can have. It really is. Um, because Eva Marie worked hard. She tried, but I don't think she's ever going to be a wrestler. Right. But she has the kind of look that makes you think that WWE would put a belt on her because of that look. Right. So what better way to get, you know, to get some heat than to have her have somebody beat them up for like have a muscle to beat people up for her. Yeah. And Piper Niven is a really she's a really, really good worker. She's a she's a She's a she's a big woman, but she can fly like a cruiserweight. She can move. She's very believable. And, you know, the only thing that I don't quite I'm not quite sure about is she's always been a face as far as I know. Mm-hmm. Um, she's kind of a she's kind of a bubbly face. Now, her size alone and, and I, she's a you know, she's her size can make her a heel. Right. Because she's bigger than most all the women she faces. But like I don't know that she's a pure heel, but I could also see her turn it like if she turns on Eva Marie, that could like she could become a huge, huge, huge face. Yeah. And which she came but out yeah. last night being all bubbly and, you know, happy go lucky and smiling tight. Um and and so here's my thing. There, you know, because of course, social media, they were upset with WWE again because, you know, the announcers were acting like they didn't know who she was and da 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 da. Slade, and I sent you this in a message. I didn't know who she was. Okay. I remember. I've never watched her. I've, I've, it, my NXT UK knowledge is very, very, very minuscule. I don't watch NXT UK. Okay. So, and of course, social media was all, how could you not know this Piper Nevin? How could you? You have to look at it like this. So you assume, let's say on the low end, 1.5 million people watched Raw last night, right? Right. Out of that 1.5 million people, would it be safe to say that maybe, maybe at most 500,000 knew who she was? Maybe. Maybe on, on the high end. So there's 66% of your audience that has no clue who this woman is. And and I would point out, it's not like the WWE's just going out of their way to really uh, um, advertise NXT UK. Well, no, not not as a whole, not as a brand. No. They, they advertise like, the hell like, out of Walter. Yes, Walter and to an extent Kaylee Ray, but that's about it. Right, because I saw somebody on social media. They were like, "No, oh, if Walter were to debut on Raw, uh, and they said they didn't know who he was, wouldn't that be dumb?" To it's like, yeah, but Walter's been the champion of NXT UK for over 800 days. He's the main guy that is promoted on their social media platforms. He has been on NXT in America on a takeover in America on American television. It's a completely different situation than what we're talking about with Piper Niven. So you can't use that as an equatable situation. You yeah. know what I mean? 
Yeah, Niven was on. She was in the second May Young Classic. Right. I think and she lost to Tony Storm in the semifinals. You know, but that was three years ago. She came out last night, man. I thought it was a legit like jobber, like I, you know, and that I don't know if that's what WWE was going for, uh, because there are rumors that they're changing her name now that she's with Eva Marie. So I can understand if they're giving her a new name. You don't want to call attention to her being this person, and then next week she's a completely new, different person. You know what I mean? Right, right. So, and I just started like, like it, it's not. I don't like these people. You got to understand, like when you're doing a TV product, you can't cater to the minority. You know, just right. because you you know who she is, just because you watch NXT UK. Doesn't mean the other million and a half people tuning into Monday Night Raw know who she is. And if they don't want her to know, if they don't want the audience to know her as Piper Niven, then it makes sense to not give away the name and to make it, you know, add to the surprise of her beating Naomi. You know, the only way you could make it work is is if she, if you called her Piper. And then, like, she did this promo next week, like, completely disavowing herself of that name because she's been with Eva Marie. But I feel like that's the promo you want Eva Marie to give anyway. So, I mean, and even they could still even do they could still even do do that that. with with Eva Marie. You have her come out and be like, hey, some of y'all know this woman from, you know, uh, uh, other places or NXT UK. And and you still don't have to call her by, yeah, or, you know, you can run it by. But that's that's no more. We're, because you know we, she's been with me, and I don't. You know, Piper Niven was this sweet, bubbly girl, but who didn't realize right. how great she was. And but now that she's been around me, we're gonna call her da 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 because that's more in line of what she is as a as a woman and as a competitor and blah blah blah. And you're good, right? And then I think another part of it was that she wasn't advertised it was advertised as eva marie versus naomi right and so you have that element of surprise of well who's this coming out like she didn't even she wasn't even on the graphic you know like and so that kind of adds to it and so i think it's a much to do about nothing on social media as it usually is right Um, but I will say it's it's like I said I messaged you and like I have no idea I had no idea who she was until I got on social media and people were calling up or like how could they not know who she was? I was like, well, I'll raise my hand. I didn't know who she was either. Sorry, I'm an idiot, I guess. But I will say, any person, man or woman, that can land the Michinoku driver, I'm a fan. Yeah, she uh, nailed it. You know, she's got a fan in me. Uh, and and hopefully, because uh, there's been rumors about her new name being like Dewdrop or something like that, and I hope it's not. But after what they did with Dijakovic and Dio Madden and Slap Nuts and all them, yes, um, I, I wouldn't be surprised. But at the same time, it's been one it's been one night. Give it a few weeks, see what happens, and then if you want to be outraged, be outraged. Um, but just give it a little time to breathe. That's all. Yes. Um, and then the other question I had was, RK Bro, do you think what do you think they're going to do with them? Do you see them having an extended run, or do you see them kind of breaking them up 
rather quickly? I think the end game is going to be Orton, RKO, and Riddle. I mean, I think that's that's where we that's where we end. I don't know how much longer they've got, but I think it could be a situation where you may could get more out of it than you originally thought. Yeah, because they're so good. They are. They're so they're, good together. They're still getting better and better. You know. So it's one of those it's, things where you might be like, you know, we were gonna just kind of do the normal Orton RKO's even says, how could you believe that I changed blah, blah, blah. They're so good together that we can't really do that. Yeah. I would like to see them together for, I think I might've mentioned it on the last podcast, at least until like survivor series. Yeah. You know, give them a good six month run. Um, maybe have a good title run in it. Uh, did you see the, the little promo they had last night in the backstage? <laughs> I haven't gotten a chance to see all of like I haven't got a chance to see. It. I've seen I've seen the other stuff. Like I'm blown away at how good they are. Oh, you got to go back and watch because uh, it was Riddle. <laughs> Riddle was talking to Jeff Hardy, starting off, uh-huh. and then Hardy oh, I saw left. The, he had four eyes, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's like, if I had four eyes, I could do this, 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 and this. And then uh, he's like, I wonder how. Or and then he said Randy could could. Uh, be playing the piano and then Randy comes up he's like oh hey it's like what do you think about Elton John and Randy's like what <laughs> and Riddle's like no ne- never mind man never mind <laughs> like, it's just great it, it just seems natural you know like big brother little brother type stuff uh, and, and, right. and they're just getting better every week you know I, I, I am getting a little bit of hope that they're going to be together for a few months at least because you know they've created a logo for them they've created merchandise for them um and they're pushing the whole rk bro thing um, yes and it's not orton and riddle it's actually rk bro like on the graphics and stuff so that gives right. me hope that you know if they're investing that into them it's not for just a quick little blow off um because I think they could, you know, like those two against AJ Styles and Omos, uh, that would be fun. Or, you know, they, the match they had last night with the New Day was probably one of the best matches I've seen this year. Um, and, I mean, and it's only Elevate and Riddle. I mean, Riddle can work. He always could. Yep. But getting in with a guy like Orton and helping – Orton can help him slow down. Yep. And Orton can help him get technically better. And – just it just adds more dimensions to it. Yeah, I mean it's helping in the ring, but it's also helping out of the ring, you know, because yeah. uh, you know Riddle came up. I've always been a fan of Riddle, but there's been quite a quite a segment of people who they couldn't stand Riddle until the bell rang, you know, and then once the bell rang, they could they could watch him, but backstage his stuff and all this and that they couldn't care less. But this has kind of made it to where his his whole character is well-rounded from in the ring, out of the ring, backstage, right. you know, and I right. think it's added that element to it. Um, it, it. Yeah, you putting somebody like Randy Orton with him, and then you you putting him in matches with the New Day, um, that only helps. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm selfishly hoping, like I said, at least till Survivor Series, you know, November, December time, um, that that they keep them together just to see where it goes and see what else they can get out of it, man. 
But on the other hand, I did, you know, what they did with the herd business last year is still fresh in my mind. It makes me sad. Yeah, because they should still all be together. But um, so we'll, we'll see. So moving on to our Hell in a Cell this Sunday. Um, right. right. Right now we got one, two, three, four, five. There's five matches announced as of now. Right. And as of right. now, you still have the go home SmackDown to be on uh, to, to, to air on Friday. So there could be a couple of more uh, matches announced, or maybe they'll just keep it at five. Yeah. But right now we have we have two Hell in a Cell matches. And then we have three others. So um Let's go right here. First one we got is Alexa Bliss versus Shayna Baszler. Uh, I mean, I'm sure Bliss wins with shenanigans. Um, yeah. Poor Baszler. Like, yep. she a year ago looked like this hot year. Like, it's hard to believe it's been, I mean, it, it's been what? Nearly a year, you know, a year and four months, 16 months since, uh, um, shoot. Since she destroyed every, she did the clean sweep at Elimination Chamber to get the number one contenders match, yeah. number one contender spot, fight Lynch at, at WrestleMania, and it looked like, you know, she was going to win the belt, and then pandemic happened. They decided to let Lynch retain. Then Lynch gets pregnant, has the kid, and it's like Baszler's kind of been in the lurch ever since. Um, we've got some Nia and you know Nia and Reginald will be with Baszler in the corner. Bliss doing the uh, the supernatural stuff. I, I figure Bliss wins this one relatively easily. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, uh, there'll be some shenanigans and some tomfoolery or however you want to describe it going on. Um, I tell you what, they they've really soured me on this Alexa Bliss stuff. Um, yeah, about two months ago, a month ago, man, I was all for it, but it's just it's like D level horror film production. Yes, um, and it's that's not a knock on Alexa Bliss or Shayna Baszler. They've both it's a been, knock on what they've, they've done. Yeah, they've executed what they've been given. But you know, I don't, I don't know if anybody else could have done what they've been having to do any better than how they've done it. Yeah, it's just what they've been given is yeah. chicken, you know, chicken. It's like an offensive. Yeah, it's like an offensive coordinator giving his under making his undersized offensive line try to block for halfback dive against a much bigger D line yeah. every single play. That's what they're doing to them. Like execute that. Yeah. Not gonna happen. Nope. So in the next match, we have uh, Bianca Belair and Bailey for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Um, a rematch here. Um, again, Bianca has really, like, she gets better and better and better and better and better. She's, she's already super talented. And um, she has she has carried the like again like I said earlier today about Raquel Gonzalez she's really taken the ball and run with it. Yep. she's really done it. like she's she's hit it out of the park Bailey's a great opponent for her because Bailey will Bailey will make her look good 
um, Bailey will make Bailey will get Bailey will be credible enough that when Bianca beats her, because I figure that's where we're going. I can't imagine Bailey getting the belt off her now. But when Bianca beats her, Bianca will look even stronger for having beaten her. Right. Yeah. And I think I think I think I I mean I don't I think Belair wins. I think Belair wins, but I think it's gonna be a really competitive, hard hitting match that'll probably it, it might end up being the best match on the show. Yeah, yeah it has that potential. Yes. Uh, I'm with you. I think Belair wins. I think it'll be a really, really solid match. The storyline has just been very elementary. Oh, yeah. She's, you know. And, it, and it's kind of taking me away from it. You know, just well, like, each other. Um, but the match itself, the two people in the match, they're, I think they'll deliver. You know, I don't think that's a question. Yes. Um, and like you said, I think it has the potential to be the, the best uh, match on the show. Um, oh, yeah. So m- moving on for the Raw Women's Championship, we have Rhea Ripley defending her championship against Charlotte Flair. Uh, so on the opposite side of the spectrum, I have Rhea Ripley, <laughs> who has, yeah. again, I just don't, I think they gave her the belt before she was ready. The problem I have is I don't think Charlotte Flair needs to be anywhere near the women's title right now, so... Yeah. There's there's no good answer here. There's really not. I have a I have a I have a uh, proposition for you or a or a or a shot in the dark that I think might, that might happen. I think on the pre-show Sunday, you're going to see Nikki Cross going up to Adam Pierce or to Sonya Deville and pleading her case that she's beaten both of them in the last three weeks. And that she deserves a shot. And that she deserves to be in the match, and it'll become a triple threat match, and she somehow wins it. I wouldn't be opposed to that at all. I like, really would. Rhea and Charlotte are just beating the you-know-what out of each other, and something happens, and, like, Nikki comes in and steals the victory and runs off with a championship. I'm good with that. that that's my, like, that. dark, dark horse prediction. I'm good with that. Um, it would, it would, it would. And if, if she doesn't, absolutely. Go ahead. Sorry. I'm just going to say, and if she doesn't, if that doesn't happen where she gets put in the match, if it's just a singles match, I think Charlotte's winning. And it makes me sad. You're right. Yeah. And Charlotte doesn't need it at all. No, she doesn't. But it's also like, like you said, you know, you've been saying uh, Rhea wasn't ready. Yeah. And I think they've kind of seen that. Like you've had them and, seen that by now. And Charlotte's your true north of the women's division. So yep. when in doubt, give it back to her. You know, and, and that could set up something. Um you put it on <laughs> Charlotte for for and let her hold it to SummerSlam and then have Becky Lynch come back and take it from yep. her to SummerSlam. You know, because you, you do have to go towards SummerSlam and you're trying to sell out that arena or that stadium. Um, so you're going to need as many marquee matches as you can get. Right. Um, so I can see something like that happening as well. But, yeah. Right. There's not many positive outcomes as of now for that match, in, in my opinion. Absolutely. So moving on to our uh, one of our two Hell in a Cell matches that have been announced. Uh, for the Universal Championship, we've got Roman Reigns defending against Rey Mysterio. I think – 
I ain't gonna say what do you think's gonna happen. I think we both agree Roman's winning. Um, but do you like this match? I don't hate the match. Um, it's a new. It's a. It's kind of a fresh opponent. Mysterio yeah. can do some stuff. Um, you Mysterio's offense is just credible enough that adding the cage can help make it a little bit more believable. Um, and it sort of it sort of helps the story in the storyline. You know, oh, the Usos. You know, they'll get involved. I mean, I haven't seen a hell in a cell match that didn't have somebody get interfere, but. It sort of, in theory, gets keeps the Usos out. Now, I don't think there's any question that Roman's winning this. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I agree. It's, it, it, it's a fresh match. Um, Storyline-wise, you know, obviously, Hell in a Cell um, has been done almost to the point of being beaten in the ground. Yes. Um, but I do like the stipulation being because, you know, Ray's using it because, you know, you attack my son. You know, so it's kind of a father-son type deal. Right. So it adds a little bit more meaning and, and reasoning behind using the cell in this case. Um, did you see that powerbomb that Reigns gave yeah. Dominic on Friday night? He heated. Dude. He, uh, yeah, he, he swung Dominic. Because Dominic's not small, man. He's not great. Oh, <laughs> yeah, he's, he flew, though. Was, oh, my God. Uh, yes. But, yeah, so I, I, I like the sales stipulation um, based on how they built it up. Uh, I think Ray will put on a show. You know, I think it'll be a damn good match. Uh, but, yeah, at the end of the day, regardless of who interferes or whatnot, uh, he's not losing to Ray. No, no, he is not. But I think it'll be entertaining, and I think it'll be a, a – a, I think it'll keep your attention. Right. And, and, and Ray will get – there'll be enough hope spots there that right. you'll be like, okay, he's got a chance. Yeah, because Ray, Ray's always been good at the, the what you call the hope spots. So yes. Maybe, maybe, maybe type deals. Um, he's always played that part really, really well throughout right. his career. Yes, um, and, I, and I don't think it'll be any different on Sunday. So going yes. going to the last match that we have announced so far is the second Hell in a Cell match, and it is for the WWE Championship. And it's Bobby Lashley versus Drew McIntyre. So I think I'm going to go off the board here. I think I think McIntyre wins. Really? Yes. Um. Here's my reasoning. I've got a couple of thoughts here. Um, my first thought is the WWE, as we've mentioned, is about to go back on the road. Yeah. And I don't think they want two hills on top. Like, at least have one face champion. Um, the other thought I have is if a certain uh, South Dakota native turned Minnesotan turned Canadian uh, <laughs> former UFC world champion can be brought back who Lashley has challenged on numerous occasions. I don't know if they want the belt involved in that. Mm. Because I, 
I, that match doesn't need the belt. And I could co- sort of be them like, we don't need another part-time champion now. Yeah. So get the belt off Lashley. We can let him have his match. McIntyre is face champion on top because we're not taking it off the wrong. We don't want two, two heel champions. I so that's even, that's I haven't even thought about that. Yeah, the, the two that's heels. my thing. No, that's that, my that, thing. Yeah, that makes sense from a from a logical standpoint. Um, and then you know, if you start thinking about it a little bit more, all Lashley's been doing the last month on Raw is is drinking champagne and partying with girls. Yes. So, so it's almost like he's getting the big head. Um, yeah. No pun intended. Uh, but. So that could kind of play into it, you know, um, kind of have a downfall type deal. Um, right. I would love to see, I think everybody would love to see Lashley and Lesnar. I know, I know Bobby Lashley would love to see Lashley and Lesnar. Um, I would. I also wouldn't be upset with a triple threat between the three, between McIntyre, no. Lesnar, and Lashley. And there is a story to be told. There is. See, McIntyre beat Lesnar to win the belt in the first place. Yeah, and and so I, if 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 you're thinking about Lesnar, if if you're WWE, if you're thinking about Lesnar, there is multiple ways you can go with this. Um, but like you said, not with with having two heels um, as your main champion. I didn't even think about that until you brought it up. But that that coupled with the way uh, Lashley's been acting the last month or so, um, it seems like he he's kind of in character. He's kind of um, let off the gas pedal a little bit. You know, yeah. he do, he doesn't seem as hungry. He's kind of coasting. Yeah, um, and so I think that could be one of those deals. That, like I said, in storyline where it could kind of bite him in the butt. Um, and costing the match. And then, I mean, you still have money in the bank coming up, you know? Um, so he could, they, I wouldn't put it, put it, I wouldn't put it past him to have another match of money in the bank. Um, so, yeah, I, you're kind of convincing me here that, that McIntyre might take it. Right. Because, like I, I said, what you said is, is very logical. And, and again, I, they've sort of, Planted the seeds with, with with Lashley being a little bit less vicious and a little bit more um, partying, more um, not quite like you said, not quite as hungry, not quite as uh, focused. Maybe maybe letting his letting his eyes wander a little bit, yeah. and it, it and again with with it going back on the road. I think two heel champions. I, I don't see it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of inclined to agree with you on that, man. But when nah. I brought that up, I was like, man, like Lashley's winning. Lashley's winning. And then you gave your point of view, and I was like, ah, oh, I think, I think, I think McIntyre might win. And like, I could see McIntyre like destroying, uh, like, like maybe you know, MVP gets. Lashley his rematch and Lashley just gets himself disqualified because he just he gets he he, he snaps right having lost the belt the night before and then like have Lashley go on like this reign of just destroying people and 
then you bring Lesnar back as the one guy that he can't do that to. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. It's definitely, like I said, it's definitely different, many different ways you can go with it, which is um, pretty intriguing given the redundancy that has been uh, Lashley and McIntyre the last, what, six months? Yes. Um, for as, you know, as repetitive and redundant as it is, it seems like at the, the end goal and, you know, um, the light at the end of the tunnel, per se, there's a lot of different ways you could go with it that, that could end up pretty interesting. Right. So right. that that is um, all the matches currently announced for Hell in a Cell this Sunday. Uh, like I said, we're recording before the Go Home SmackDown, so there could be a couple more announced on that show. Um, but I think it'll be a pretty good show, you know. And and like you said, this should be the last pay per view from the Thunderdome. Um, so I'm assuming, you know, with 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 Hell in a Cell matches and with uh, Alexa Bliss, there will be some shenanigans and maybe some uh, some quote-unquote magic happening that you can't necessarily get in front of a live audience. Right. Um, but it, it'll be interesting to see to see what happens on Sunday. Right. Right, just uh, and and like I said, um, as long as they don't set anybody on fire, we're good. Never say never, Slade. Never say this never. is true. We've, we've seen it. We've seen it before. <laughs> Very recently. Yes. All right. Well, um, anything else about uh, Hell in a Cell or NXT or anything you want to mention? I think I'm good. Um, like I said, WWE to their credit, it, since it looks like this is be the last. Thunderdome show for a look for hopefully hopefully forever. Um, Got to give them credit for deal, doing the best they could with a really really crappy situation. Oh, absolutely. But, but there's just there's not much you can do with what they were given. But they they weathered about as well as they could. I've had my issues with some of the 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 quality of of Raw and SmackDown. But all things considered, they did about the best they could, and their pay-per-views have been top-notch. So um, it's it's in vogue. It's it's cliche. It's it's the cool thing to do to blast the WWE, and they get they do a lot of things that deserve criticism. Absolutely. But I give them some credit for handling this as uh, as well as they could have. All things considered. Yeah, I mean they they essentially pulled a rabbit out of the hat with a Thunderdome. Um, yes. I mean, these were things, you know, they weren't prepared. Nobody was prepared for what happened last year um, in society in general, much re- less in the wrestling industry. Um, right. And, and and for them to be able to pull off what they have, in even AEW to be able to pull off what they have um, on a different yep. level and on a different scale, like kudos to, to all of them for not stopping, uh, right. finding a way to keep going. And finding a way to try and entertain people, you know, because that's one Especially thing. Vince, this, yeah. yeah. And that's one thing Vince McMahon will always, you know, you'll hear wrestlers always say about Vince, like he's, we're in the business of entertaining people. We're, we're here to put right. smiles on people's faces. Um, and so for them to not stop when all these other uh, sports and, and, and whatnot had to pause and try and figure out what to do. Um, kudos to them. Kudos to the talent. 
for wrestling in front of nobody for a year or over a year. Um, you know, I was listening. I watched a little interview with John Cena today with uh, Chris Van Vliet. And, and uh, he asked him kind of about how excited he was for, for um, wrestling to be back in front of fans. And Cena was even talking. He's like, you know, with Roman, he's like, Roman Reigns has really benefited from it. You know, he's been able to find his true self and be able to refine his character. He's like, but for me, honestly, he's like, I don't know if I'd have been able to do it this past year. He's like, because I, he's like, I don't know how some of these guys have done it. Um, I don't think it would have been beneficial to me for me to be doing it in front of nobody. Right. He's like, I don't know how that would have translated for John Cena. He's like, and, and, and so, you know, you hear somebody like Cena even mention it, and that just goes to show, you know, the, these guys are trained to entertain, and then they have to, and girls, but now they have to wrestle in front of nobody or a bunch of TV screens, essentially. Um it's a shock, you know. It's got to be a shock, man. It's got to be a shock, and it and, and, and it's got to take time to adjust and 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 try and find some type of normalcy in that environment. And to their credit, man, the, the majority of them have done that over this past fifteen months, right? But like you said, this should be the this should be the last pay per view in the Thunderdome, and then I think we only got what three or four more weeks of, of Raw and SmackDown in the Thunderdome. Um, for the most part, I think, and then hopefully things will um, start looking how they looked at WrestleMania. Yes, you know, minus the rain. <laughs> right. But, uh, you know, fans in the stands cheering and, and and being entertained, and that's what wrestling. You know, that's what wrestling's all about, man. Absolutely, and that's it's and again a lot of what. What's been kind of aggravating is some of those really cool moments that you don't get, with, that you need that crowd response for that we haven't gotten. And I'm looking forward to it coming back. Oh, 100%. 100%. Anything else, Slade? I think other than that, I'm good. All right. Well, guys, we appreciate you listening. Um, as I said at the beginning of the episode, please give us a like and a follow on Facebook and Twitter. Um, to stay up to date on all things Turnbuckle Talk. It would be greatly appreciated. Uh, look out for us next week. Probably sometime early next week we will have uh, – we're planning on doing a watch-along episode, um, maybe an old WCW Monday Nitro episode or uh, something else. You'll have to tune in to find out. But we'll we'll do a watch-along and we'll recap Hell in a Cell while we're doing the watch-along. Yeah. Um, kind of a two-in-one type deal. And, you know, I always enjoy doing watch-alongs with you, Slade. So that should be a fun Absolutely. episode as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, well, Slade's going on vacation here in a couple of days for, you know, taking a few-day uh, vacation up to the mountains. So, Slade, man, I hope uh, hope you have a great time. I'm hope you're, I hope you're able to relax um, and, and, and get away from everything for, for a few days and, and kind of reset and refresh, man. Yes. I'm excited. I would be too. I'm excited for you. Yes, I'm fired up. Awesome, man. Well, until next time, everybody, we appreciate you tuning in, and we look forward to you listening to us on our next episode of Turnbuckle Talk. Have a good one.